I think something that's lacking now in our world is, uh, you know, people are really um, sensitive to any criticism about about their work. And I, you know, got straight up told on a number of times, like, don't even send us this. Like, it's not where it needs to be. Um, and, and it didn't bother me either. It, it actually like woke me up to, okay, this should, this is the standard. This is how they do things here. If I cannot deliver on that level, then it, it's not going to work. You, you almost have to remove yourself from your own um, biases, right? About, about what, you're, what you're putting out there. And it's not good enough to just land the job and, and be here. It's like, what are you going to do once you get the opportunity? How are you going to advance yourself? And if you can't use constructive criticism as a motivation to do better, then maybe you should consider doing something else because we're, we're creating images uh, and, and video content that is uh, being dispersed to sometimes thousands and, and millions of of people. So the people who are in charge of publishing that, uh, take it very seriously. The standard is the standard, right? Yeah. It's like, um, and, and there should be a, a very clear standard for what we do in, um, in these professions. Okay, episode number 12 of the Sports Creative Showcase is out now. We are here with Troy Anderson. After back-to-back weeks of two soccer creatives, we're going back to the roots and we're going to hockey here. Troy is an incredibly talented videographer and photographer based out of Detroit. Met you two seasons ago while working the Stanley Cup final, and I know you and I have been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad I finally get to have you on the show. He's an incredibly talented NFL NFL LCC and NHL LSC, and arguably one of the most hardworking and talented creatives I've ever personally gotten to work with. And like I said, very excited to have you on the podcast today. This is a long time coming. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Well, thank you for the awesome intro. Glad we're finally able to do this. Uh, I'm sitting in my apartment across the street from Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit, uh, getting ready to later this afternoon, head over there and capture uh, an original six matchup between the Blackhawks and the Wings tonight. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward. Yeah, to this a little, little, little Connor Bedard action there. You get to see the the generational wonder. Are you excited for that? That's right. Yeah, his only time in Detroit this year. That rivalry. Oh, they only of, play one time in Detroit. Eh? Yeah, yeah. That rivalry's been kind of dampered since the uh, oh. since they switched divisions a few yeah. a few years ago. So I'm I'm excited at the at the one shot to to capture. Uh, to capture some, some no, you're, you're, from that's lucky, man. I haven't, I, I don't know if I'll get the chance to shoot him this year, but he seems like a, a lot of fun to shoot. Um, anyways, now, like I said before, you and I have been planning this for a while. In fact, I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation about shooting this podcast episode <laughs> since we shot the Stanley Cup finals back almost a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, but we've always obviously been so busy. You're obviously about to go to work in a few hours. So I'm glad to finally get this time to sit down and chat. Um, before we get into the Stanley Cup final and sh- your work with the NFL and the NHL. Um, I want you to give me a little lowdown and give the audience a little lowdown on how you got started in this line of work. Uh, Working in sports and the whole point of the podcast and what I do with YouTube and everything is to teach people how to get into this space because obviously it's a really desired one with content creation becoming way more of a valid career path. This is something a lot of people want to get into. So as someone who works for two of the biggest sports leagues in North America, I would you know love to hear how you got started. You're kind of, like I say in every episode, origin story as a creator 
Yeah. So, um, it kind of, you can sort of take it all the way back to, to high school for me and all, and, and don't worry, I won't go too in, in depth on, on all of it. But my first sort of experience in working with a camera was, uh, when I was 16 years old, I, uh, got a job, uh, with this camera company called VIO. And at the time they were a, uh, a competitor to GoPro. This is like 2006 ish. So this is right when the point of view cameras were sort of getting on the scene on the market. And one of my first jobs was testing these cameras before shipping them out, just kind of playing with them, making sure they worked, um, getting broken cameras back, sort of messing around with cameras and, and seeing what cool stuff you could really create with them. Um, and so that combined with uh, a family member of mine went to film school, had a film in Sundance. Um, when, when I was in high school, I thought that was a really cool uh, career path and just uh, it didn't seem um, like something that I had really considered and and then I, I sort of forgot about it for a while and then went to college and I played hockey growing up um, so I always loved the sport and when I, uh, I went to school at Michigan State uh, University and while I was at Michigan State uh, the Red Wings were playing against the Maple Leafs in the outdoor game um, in the big house. Yes, at the big house. And they had a, uh, you know, the behind the scenes road to the winter classic show uh, that was produced. And I was just graduating from from college at the time. I didn't even go to school for video production or media studies. I actually went to school for uh, urban planning, believe it or not. No way. Um, and during this time, I knew I wanted to move to Detroit. It was close to East Lansing. Um, and uh, I just knew that I wanted to be there partially because I loved, uh, Detroit sports. And, um, so anyway, fast forwarding to this episode that I was watching on the road to the winter classic in one of those, uh, episodes, the Red Wings donated a Zamboni to this outdoor ice rink in mm -hmm. Southwest Detroit. Um, and I said, Whoa, that place looks really cool. Full regulation, outdoor ice rink, uh, and they the have works. a youth hockey program. Uh, the bridge to Canada is in the background, um, lit up at night. It's a beautiful spot. And I'm from the upper peninsula of Michigan where I grew up playing hockey outdoors all the time. Um, so when I, uh, moved to Detroit, I went over to, uh, to Clark park is the name of, of where the ice rink is at and knocked on the door, asked if they needed a hockey coach. Um, and, this uh, this guy opened the door, said, uh, yeah, come on in. And there's a room full of kids and their parents and said, hey, everybody, this is Coach Troy. No um, way. And I was like, whoa, OK. So I uh, I was a volunteer. You just got thrown in the fire. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, it, it was cool because it's a um, an inner city ice rink, not your typical hockey demographic. Um, Southwest Detroit is also called Mexican Town. Um, and and so there's uh just not your typical hockey demographic there. And it was kind of a, a Mighty Ducks situation, really. Um, these kids are only have access to the game at this park uh, where they can skate outside for two, three months a year if they're lucky. Um, and, and so being in that environment was awesome. And simultaneously while I was doing this, I got a job at a nonprofit organization, um, kind of uh, 
right that goes right along with my my degree. Um, but I I told them I wanted to work in communicate on the communication side of it, and I wanted to document you know work going on in Detroit neighborhoods to make uh, that organizations are doing to make the city better. And so I um, you know got uh, got some cameras and uh, was was doing that work, and then as I said, simultaneously working with this, uh, outdoor ice rink, uh, I got, uh, the idea to make a film about, uh, about this ice rink. Um, so over the course of three years, um, my friend and I, uh, documented, um, this, uh, outdoor hockey team that, that I helped coach. Um, and it was sort of, it was a passion project. It was, um, a time in my life where I could spend, uh, you know, hours every winter at this ice rink with these kids. And what resulted was a 25 minute, uh, short documentary called Clark Park, um, that was put out in 2017, I believe. Um, and it got into, uh, honestly, much to my surprise, it got into about 15 film festivals. No way. That's Um, awesome. And one of them was the Detroit free press film festival. Uh, a lot of Midwestern, um, film festivals and, uh, Michigan film festivals. And there's, it was even in one in Windsor as well. Um, and really due to that decision to invest my time in something that I love doing, um, it naturally evolved into me getting an opportunity with, with the Red Wings. So I, someone with, uh, the Red Wings saw, uh, the film and I, um, there was also a, a, a full-time p- a videographer position <clears throat> opening up at the same time. So I applied for that. Um, but I had zero professional sports experience. I had, I didn't have, even have a degree that was in that. World. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I often hear people have troubles with in getting, getting into professional sports is how do you have a background in, in professional sports to, to get that door open? And, so what happened was they offered me a job for the minor league team um, in, in Grand Rapids. And uh, I, I turned that down because I wanted to be in Detroit. Um, but luckily, that was one of the first years that the NHL had this uh, LSC program. So they referred me to that position. Um, and I believe uh, 2018 was my first season um, in the position. And... So that door was opened, uh, and I uh, never looked back. It's a it's an absolute dream job. It was nothing that I planned on doing or necessarily had the goal of doing. It was something that I thought would be unbelievably awesome. Um, and it felt it kind of fell into your lap because of the stuff you did externally. Like uh, something exactly. I like I like to say is like when people ask me, like like you said, like this is how do you get into this? Especially you don't have a background in it. It's like you just got to work locally, like find stuff in your community, and that's kind of exactly what you did from you know getting that coaching opportunity thrown on you and then you know then you ended up picking up a camera through that it just shows that you don't have to go to school for this you went to for what was it urban planning like yeah like like it, it some people you know 
even I went to school for a sports media degree, but nothing of what I learned is actually what I use out in the field. So it's for a lot of people listening, it is really important to know, like if you don't need to have a school background in this, you just need to go out there and put in, put yourself out there. Um, you've been with the program now since 2018. Um, how have you grown and evolved as a creator in the last uh, looks like feels like, you know, less than three years, but that's over four or five years now. How have you grown and evolved as a creator um, shooting professional hockey at that level? I mean, it's been night and day, honestly. And I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest influence that I had was a guy named, uh, Dan Manis, who was the, um, head videographer, uh, content creator kind of before that was even a term, right. For the, for the Red Wings, he, he was with them for 10 years. Um, and he's in another industry, uh, now, but, um, <clears throat> he really set the standard for me. First of all, he's the one who gave me the opportunity. He's the one who uh, kind of saw that I was passionate about hockey, uh, passionate about uh, creating uh, images and documenting, you know, the, the history of, of the sport and, uh, you know, delivering that through a medium of, of social media and other, other short, um, you know, short films and things of that, that nature. So, um, he was the person that opened the door for me and he also set the standard of quality. Um, and I think something that's lacking now in our world is, uh, you know, people are really, um, sensitive to any criticism about, about their work. And I, you know, got straight up told on a number of times, like, don't even send us this. Like, it's not where it needs to be. Um, and, and it didn't bother me either. It, it actually like woke me up to, okay, this should, this is the standard. This is how they do things here. Uh, and if I cannot deliver on that level, then it, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so setting the standard of quality for photography, for videography, um, for editing was something that I really, really needed, um, because I was just happy to be there, right? I was so stoked to have a camera in my hand and be in uh, in the arena of you know my uh, my childhood team, and was kind of wide eyed. And very very quickly, I sort of got a crash course in this is a job, this is a profession, this is. Um, you're still at work. Yeah, you're still, is, it's, you know, it's your, it's your career. This isn't, you're exactly. not just there for fun. Like there is a level of professionalism. And like you said, there's like a level of quality you need to have at this level. And I really like, sorry to cut you off. I just really like the fact that you, that you brought up the, the idea of like, people not being able to take criticism. And I, I think that's unfortunately true, um, especially in the age of social media. But I, I do think it's such a vital thing for growth in this industry and something I haven't really gotten to talk about. But like we I think a lot of people portray the sports industry as this really glamorous place where you can do any, anything you want. And that's not true. And you kind of said it there like sometimes you're going to get shit on for your work. And, and it's not a good feeling, but it's definitely something you can learn from. 
do you have any advice for people out there who aren't used to taking criticism in terms of like, you know, getting told like you're a piece you're really proud of and someone's like, it could be better. How, how, what, what advice would you give to people who could probably, you know, learn how to take a little bit more criticism, constructive criticism. I'm not saying like, you know, if someone, if someone, if someone shits on your work because they just want to do it on Twitter or Instagram, that's different. But like constructively, like in order to improve, how do you take that and internalize it without taking it personally? I, I think that's I think that's a tough question because it all has to do with the individual's personality and outlook on on the situation, right? So you you almost have to remove yourself from your own um, biases, right? About about what you're what you're putting out there. And for me, at that time, uh, I used it as motivation, um, and uh, I wanted I had a level and an individual that I looked at as uh, both a mentor, but also a benchmark saying, I like, I want to get to this level, right? It's not good enough to just land the job and, and be here. It's like, what are you going to do once you get the opportunity? How are you going to advance yourself? And if you can't use constructive criticism as a motivation to do better, then maybe you should consider doing something else because we're, we're creating images uh, and, and video content that is uh, being dispersed to sometimes thousands and, and millions of, of people. So the people who are in charge of publishing that uh, take it very seriously and should take it seriously um, because what you're creating is representative of the brand, the team, the league, the player. Um, and, and so understanding that it's almost, I know it's like a football quote from somewhere. It's like the standard is the standard, right? Yeah. It's like, um, and and there should be a, a very clear standard for what we do in, um, in these professions. And uh, I'm really happy to uh, say that I think that standard has gone up exponentially in the last, uh, in the last couple of years in, in particular um, in, in what I'm seeing uh, not only you know, in the NHL, but uh, just for uh, sports creative in, in general. Yeah, no, that's that. Those are all really, really good points. And I uh, I think that is the standard is something that definitely gets lost in the mix, especially with social media nowadays. People want to get stuff out quick. People want to get stuff that gets clicks. And I feel like in translation, like taking more time on a project, a video, a photo, whatever it is, like it kind of gets lost in the mix and we lose that quality. But I, I really love that take. Um, you also happen to work for the NFL, not just the NHL. You're also an LCC for the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um you get to work for two Detroit teams as a Michigan kid, that which is, must be a really special feeling. What was it like when you, you know, got to step into you know your first Red Wings game, your first Lions game? What is that feeling like being a guy growing up watching these franchises, and now you get to cover them for you know your your job? You know, doing uh, that's a great question. First of all, and and doing it now for um, six years for the NHL and five for the NFL. Um, I'm finding that I need to remind myself how awesome this, these opportunities are. And so I'm trying to be more mindful, you know, last weekend I just got done with an exhausting back-to-back of a Red Wings game on American Thanksgiving Eve. And then the Lions game, um, on, on American Thanksgiving. Uh, and you know, so I'm done at about midnight at, uh, uh, at little Caesars arena. And then I'm at Ford field at seven 30 in the morning. Um, 
and have to deal with the, uh, you know, all the things that we have to do as far as media management and whatnot in between that. But um, the first time I got, you know, walked into, it was Little Caesars Arena and, and got to do it. I still actually kept the paper credential um, that I that I got because I was the biggest Red Wings fan growing up. Uh, I grew up in the heyday of the Stanley Cup championships in 97, 98, 02, and 08. And I was a kid who literally begged my mom to let me stay up late and sleep on the couch to, to watch, uh, to watch hockey. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it was, uh, such a, such an important thing in my life that being able to get the opportunity to, uh, work for the NHL was something that I, uh, honestly took a little while for me to even wrap my head around how much it means, you know, to me to be able to, uh, have this job. And that's also, um, that's also why I take so much pride in setting a standard for, um, the, the quality of the work that I, that I put out. Um, and then as it relates to the NFL, I didn't even have the goal of working for the NFL. And, uh, what I say about Detroit, and I think it's true about the sports creative community in general is that it's a small, small world. Yep. And once my first year of working for the NHL, um, my, my friend, Zach Silver, who's an incredible photographer here in Detroit, he covers Detroit sports as well. He uh, was and still is a, uh, an LLC for the, uh, or excuse me, LCC for the NFL. Um, and they were, they could, believe it or not, they couldn't find people when these programs first started. Right? I mean, like, when you, when you think about it, like five, six years ago, our people who do what we do were very far in between. And I think also like the the content the era of content creation if we want to call it yeah. that didn't really kick in until just before covid and covid kicked it into overdrive because people just figured out oh, i'm a buy a camera and start making content and then yep. people came out of covid and realized you could do it in sports so when you think about it what we're doing is very like revolutionary in terms of what happens in the sports world like our positions our job did not exist five six seven years ago uh, relative to how popular and everyone wants to get into it now in 2023. Right. And, and so having, uh, that reference for, for that job was, I got asked if I wanted to work for the NFL very casually. And I was like, what? (laughs) Absolutely. Having a beer. And you're just like, Hey, how do you, you want to shoot the lions tomorrow? What what the uh, hell? And then I'm on the phone with our, our program manager. And then I'm on the sidelines of, uh, of Ford field the next fall. So give, give um, us the lowdown of how you got into the NFL. Cause we, we, we just heard your hockey story. You were shooting with the, the wings for a while there. And then mm-hmm. how did the NFL knock on your door? Yeah. So, um, this other photographer who, who does, uh, who works for the red wings directly, um, as a, as a part-time shooter, uh, had the LCC position with the NFL. Um, they were looking for, uh, more, uh, more talent, more people. Um, they only had, uh, one position at the time. There's now like four positions per team. Um, and they want, they were looking to get into video. And so my friend Zach said, Hey, do you want to just very casually while we were at a a Red Wings game, do you want to work for the NFL? They're looking for, um, uh, for people to fill this position. I think you'd be great at it. Uh, and I can refer you to the job if you want. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that has been a really fun journey as well, because I'm being from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I'm actually only like three hours away from Green Bay. 
Um, and I've got the opportunity to shoot about seven Packers games over the last few years. Um, I, I shot a Packers game during COVID with no stand, no fans in the stands during a snowstorm. That was wild. Um, so I've, uh, got to see Tom Brady, uh, and Aaron Rodgers in the NFC championship game of, of 2020 and with like, you know, 9,000 fans in there. So I've had, uh, I've been extremely lucky to experience, uh, a lot of, uh, in, incredible atmospheres, uh, over the last handful of years in, uh, in a position that I never even had the goal to, to get into. When it comes to shooting multiple sports, you're kind of like a multi-sport athlete, just not the, you know, multi-sport creative. Right. Um, as someone who personally I've shot football and translated to hockey afterwards and vice versa. Um, what, what, you know, you grew up watching hockey. That's that was what you wanted to do. You ended up getting the job. You go to the NFL, completely different sport, completely different pace of play, completely different, like access to a hockey game. What are some of the biggest differences for you that you had to adjust to when it came from going from hockey to football? Um, and, you know, is there one you like shooting more in particular? I feel like I know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, what's what's the biggest thing you change in your routine and your creative style when you go from football to hockey or vice versa? Yeah. So I, I think really um, part of the answer to that question is understanding that, you know, it's the same platform that all this content is going out on, right? It's social, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, um, it's TikTok. And f- the biggest adjustment for me for shooting football is that one of, um, uh, another shooter in town is, uh, works for the NFL films. He's based out of Detroit. And that is like cinematography at its height, right? That is- Everyone wants to do NFL right. films. And, and it's hard, those guys, and. Uh, girls work incredibly, incredibly hard at, at that. And so for me, my uh, going into shooting for the NFL, I wanted to sort of approach it like I was a cinematographer, right? Um, and I love I learned, that. I love, I love, I love the fact that you said that. And and I, lear- I learned it. I learned really quickly, though, that that's not always necessarily the best way to approach the job that we have. Um, because... Uh, it's a, it's hard to do. You have to have a lot of reps. You know, there's always that, that shot of following the football in the air, right. To, from, from the pass to the reception, um, and understanding that, uh, sometimes that takes a lot of reps, a lot of seasons for people to get that shot down. And I was trying stuff like that and, and maybe not executing on it right away and, and then missing the shot entirely. So it's adjusting a little bit to, okay, maybe this is a, a full pan share, a focus rack shot instead of um, trying to track the ball through the air. And after you know half a season or a season, then it's uh, um, determining, okay, maybe I can try that now um, that I've gotten some reps under me in this. And so much of it has to do with setup as well. Are you shooting on a shoulder mount? Are you, are you shooting on a hi hat? Um, and, and understanding, you know, now we have, uh, multiple, uh, videographers who are shooting these NFL games and you have to work as truly part of a team to make sure that you're covering every angle and actually understanding that, you know, half the time you're not going to get the shot but you have to be there and you have to work with that other person to make sure you have each side of the end zone covered, or you Mm -hmm. have the reverse end zone covered in case there's a pick six. 
Um, and so it's like making these judgments. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference between hockey and football is hockey is like so much faster. Yeah. And, and I personally think it's uh, a little bit harder to shoot from the ice level um, because tracking is, uh, in, in my mind, a lot easier um, in, in football to, uh, to track a good shot. And it still, you know, can be tricky with some misdirection plays and, and what have you. But um, I'd say the environments and are, are extremely different as well, right? You have a little bit more room to, to move on an NFL sideline. Um, you, you have a little bit more, uh, you know, you can make split second decisions or maybe I want to set up on the goal line for this shot, or maybe I want to go by the post, by the goal post in the middle. Um, and, and so really, you know, also something that I tell, uh, you know, people in, in this world is, uh, of, of sports content creation is like, it actually helps a heck of a lot to watch games and, and understand tendencies of, of teams and, and where they might be going, um, how they're in the NHL, how, you know, maybe it's, uh, how their power plays are, are set up or like just understanding, understanding the game as a whole. Exactly. Understanding the game and trying to anticipate what's going to happen is going to put you in a, um, in a way better position than just trying to, uh, set up a shot and focus on, on the quarterback and, 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 you know, react from, from there, understanding the situational awareness of this is most likely going to be a run play or a pass play. So all of that sort of stuff goes into it. And that's something I've, tried to develop over, you know, five years in, in, in doing this. And, uh, it's been, uh, an incredible opportunity and I've worked with a lot of, uh, you know, great people here that, uh, um, that, that make it fun, you know, showing up at, at seven, eight AM on a Sunday. You, you brought up so many interesting things that like we could talk about all day. Um, the whole idea of wanting to make it like cinematography, but understand that you don't have to, it, it's really interesting. Cause for me, like I try to take a cinematography approach versus just being a videographer, but you're totally right. When you say like, sometimes you don't, you gotta, you gotta think about where this is going versus doing the cinematography for lack of a better explanation for your own ego and for your own creative mindset, because at the end of the day, you're still working for a client. You're still working for someone and you're delivering for a certain platform. And I, I really like that take. One other thing you mentioned was, you know, a lot of it depends on what kind of gear setup you have. Um, can you talk us a little through what gear you use to capture both football and hockey at the highest level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a uh, Sony A7S III. That's my uh, that's my go to uh, capture for for video. Um, use that for for both sports. Love uh, that camera. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's incredible. It's one of the best investments that I've ever made. I've had it for I, essentially since it was released. I can't same even here. Remember I, when I when I just was. looked, I got mine like almost three years ago to yeah. the day when I got a new camera. It's like, it still kicks. It's yeah. still one of the best bang for your buck bodies for video out there. Ab- absolutely. And, and, uh, so, you know, and my other, uh, I, I invested about a year ago in a, a Sony a one, um, mainly for shooting hockey. Uh, but I have a whole lot of other uses for it outside of the sports world. Um, and, and, and my, production business. Uh, but, um, also, uh, just having two cameras uh, I've found is so, so vital for, for both sports. Um, I have found myself in situations where I'm, um, I'm 
hand holding or shoulder mounting my A7S III at a at a hockey game, and uh, and then the celebration comes right at me, and it's too, uh, and they're literally on the other side of the glass from me, and I can't get anything. So then I have uh, my A1 with a wide lens on, and I can snap a couple wide pictures of it. Um, so just trying to set yourself up for um, anything. And and even if, uh, you know, I've learned you can have all these shot lists from all these teams um, and, and from the league as well. But if you capture something that is good, they will share it. Yeah. And 100%. just putting yourself in the position, whether that's a video or photo, um, using your judgment to, to have the ability to capture uh, a moment that isn't necessarily what you had planned on capturing um has been uh something that i try to keep at uh top of mind no the two cameras set up and having that flexibility is such a such a vital thing and you know as someone myself i also have an a7s3 love that camera i've shot pretty much everything over the last four or five like well three or four years since it's been released on that and i just got my own second camera i I borrowed a friend's a7 III for the longest time and now i have my a7c mark ii and just having a second camera on you, like I was shooting um, the Hall of Fame game a few weekends ago up here in Toronto, and just having that second body you can bring up with a wider lens compared to like what you'd have on your other camera, it's such a game changer. And I think people don't realize like investing in that, like cameras are expensive, lenses are expensive, but investing in it in- eventually makes you not just a better creator, but a more efficient one. Um, when you're shooting hockey, let's let's go with this really quickly. What lenses are you using? Because obviously you said you have your A your A1 with a wider lens are you having a 24 to 70 or do you have like a 70 to 200 on the a7s3 when so you're i out? um i switched back and forth between both those two lenses exactly i have a um my workhorse lens is uh still the same lens that i, I shot the finals with two years ago um which is the um uh sigma uh 24 to 70 uh, art lens, actually, I, it's, uh, you know, half the price of the, of the Sony lens. And at the time that I, that I purchased it, um, it was the most financially viable one for me. And I've actually absolutely loved its performance, especially with, um, uh, tra- uh, focus tracking, uh, is, is exceptional on it. The images that come out of it are great. And then I have a, a Sony 70 to 200, uh, G master lens. So I've, this year in particular, I've been going back and forth between shooting elevated, um, elevated shots, uh, and, you know, cropping them in for, for vertical, uh, platforms, uh, like, like reels and, and TikTok. I've, I've, um, for so long for the last two years, I've used my 24 to 70 and shot at ice level. And, uh, something that I tell, people that specifically have my job and, and our job with the NHL and shooting hockey is that um, you're going to miss stuff. It's, yep. it's like, you can't get them go- all. There's going to be a ref in front of you. There's going to be um, a an fan or a something. Fan. Yeah. yeah. A fan's going to, I've had fans spill beer on me before. Like, you know, some, something's going to happen and you're not going to get the shot. So um, I find it's sort of a risk reward thing between um, trying to capture that incredible ice level shot versus shooting elevated where you can cover the entire game and and it just opens you up to a you know a completely different 
perspective and some of the highest performing content that I've shot this year has actually been uh, elevated, um, elevated shots specifically. Uh, there's a shot of Jake Wallman doing uh, doing a dance the other night um, after after he he scored a goal that was shot at an elevated position that uh, I just wouldn't have had that um, that angle or vantage point had I been on the ice level. I'm not even sure if I would have captured the you know the three second celebration of that. Um, so I, I try to never do the same thing every game. I try to switch up if I'm shooting from ice level or, or in, even on a period basis. Sometimes I'll shoot ice level from one period. Sometimes I'll, I'll hop up um, in the second period and, uh, and shoot elevated. So I try to, uh, it, it sort of keeps, keeps me on my toes um, from a creative standpoint. Um, and especially with all these videos coming out now of like the, uh, the bird's eye view um, shots. I was, like, just, I was just about to bring that up. Like, like I want to try that tonight. Yeah, no, I think I love the idea of having the different perspectives and widening your coverage. I feel like so many people get tunnel vision, like I need to be on the glass. I need to have a, a hole. I need to like, that's the only way I can create content. Like that's not entirely true. And I think what separates, you know, good content creators and videographers and cinematographers from great ones is the ability to adapt to the situations you're given and understanding like no matter where you're put in an arena, whether it's glass, whether it's in the 200s or even higher than that, you can still get incredible content. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what's something you do apart from, you know, your coverage and moving around to make sure that you're adapting to different situations? Because like you mentioned, like sometimes fans are going to get in the way. Sometimes it's a ref. So you mentioned you move around from period to period. Um, is there anything else you do to kind of keep changing up your content as you capture it? Um, one of the things that honestly, I think got me the opportunity to shoot the finals a couple of years ago is that I edit on the fly. Um, and so maybe that's not necessarily, you know, something that, that I do to adapt to a, to a situation, but I've, what I've come to understand in this world of sports content creation, specifically for live, live content, is that the more you can do to set up the publisher to just press publish, the more likely it is to get used. So I have uh, become pretty proficient at, um, creating presets in Lightroom, creating presets in Adobe Rush um, on my phone, or uh, I'll occasionally go to my laptop to edit things um, for speed ramps and stuff like that in between periods. But um, I am editing sometimes, you know, seconds after I, I capture the content and crop it for multiple platforms um, and and send uh, multiple, um, you know, multiple looks, uh, to, and, and that's worked extremely well for me. That's, uh, something that I started doing because I recognized, okay, if I send this photo with just straight out of the camera with no edit on it, um, maybe they're not going to take the time to, uh, put a preset, crop it, uh, correctly. And that's changed a little bit in the last, in the last year or so, I'd say specifically from, um, from the NHL standpoint in particular, but um, uh, that's that's something that's been part of my routine that has resulted in um, a lot more of my work being shared. No, that's awesome. I think there's a lot, like, it's just the, uh, the flexibility of being able to, especially in your role, to put stuff out as quickly as possible is definitely like a huge benefit and not like kind of holding yourself to like, oh, I'll edit this after the period, I'm gonna get it out right now. 
That's the whole point of the LCC and the LSE programs is to provide things as quickly as possible. So I love the fact that you're you're really, <clears throat> excuse me, really pushing yourself to get that out there. Um, apart from the, you know, your flexibility in order to capture and produce stuff and get stuff out. Um, when it came to interviewing for both jobs, the NFL and the NHL one, and just going through that process, obviously, you know, at the time you said it, it wasn't as competitive as it is now, but you know, what is it? What's one particular, if there's like, you've narrowed down to one or two things about you as a creative that you think landed you the job, what would they be? Because I feel like people always want to know, like, what was the thing that got you across the finish line and separated you from the other candidates who were applying at the time? Uh, I think right at the top of the list is professionalism, especially now. I think now even more so than when they were searching for people that couldn't fill positions five years ago. Right. So I think going into the interview with the understanding that um, that it's first and foremost a job, which is a silly thing to say, maybe because you're, it's an it's an interview. But um, I feel you know, I feel like some people might uh, take the perspective of uh, of a fan because they are a fan right of, of the league or the team uh, that that they're interviewing for. So professionalism. Um, number one. And also, uh, for me, I'm the type of person that always has a camera on me, um, no matter what I do. So um, with the NHL in particular, and, and with going through an interview process, a more formal interview process with the Detroit Red Wings, actually prior to getting the job with with the NHL, um, I, I really, uh, you know, communicated that uh, this is a passion of mine this uh, and uh, and wanting to take that passion to the professional level and being um, honestly a hockey nerd and being able to apply that passion and that knowledge of the game to uh, fans and people that are that are consuming this content was something that was like really really exciting for me because I consumed the hockey night in Canada pieces, you know, that, that were done on these Red Wings teams. I consumed mm -hmm. the Stanley cup videos on VHS, um, growing up. That's how I loved the game. And now there's a whole nother audience, um, who, who's getting introduced to, um, to the NHL and, and the NFL, um, through social media and having the opportunity to create and capture moments that, uh, you know, can influence someone who will have our job in, in 20 years uh, is a pretty cool thing to think about. No, that's that's all great points across the board. And I, I love the emphasis on on professionalism. Um, again, it goes back to that standard. And one of the questions I had for you was, you know, what's your what was in your what's your mindset every time you're covering the game? And I think in an, in it all, like your you your mind works at a I want to produce at a high level. I want to be a professional at the highest level and I want to set the standard at the highest level. And I think that's something that a lot of people can definitely learn from, especially when you're younger and you're still figuring out in it out. Like just understanding that again, it all goes back to like, this is a job we have. This isn't just something we do as a hobby or for fun. Um, Moving forward here, I want to talk about obviously the main event that I got to meet you at and that we got to cover uh, the Stanley Cup final back in 2022 between the Lightning and the Avalanche. Um, we, we worked, I think, two or three games together. They won in six, if I'm not yep. mistaken, in yep. Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, you got to, you, you also, you also don't just shoot Detroit, but you get to travel and you get to work some of the uh, conference finals. And you've also worked the Stanley Cup final last two years. Um, let's start, though, with 2022, um, where we got to meet. Let's just go right into it. Yeah. We got, you know, you and I uh, got to witness 
Colorado win the cup. We got to be on the ice. Uh, I've spoken about my experience at length on my YouTube channel and on other things. What was your memory of getting to do that? Because, and I say this to everyone, like you got to do what 0.01% of the world has ever gotten to do is be on the ice for a Stanley cup championship and the cup lifting and everything. It's, it's something a select number of people only get to do in their lifetime. What was that experience? Like, what do you remember? Give me your, give me, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I, no joke, got chills just hearing you say that, um, to illustrate or to explain like what, what that, you know, meant to me, but, um, to, to start actually I have a funny story of, um, when our boss uh, or my boss emailed me about um, inquiring if I would be available, somehow I'm really pretty diligent in my emails. I, I missed that email for like 10 days and she had to send another one, a follow-up email asking if I could. And I about fell over because I read this email and could not believe that I, I didn't respond to it in time. So I, I had a panic attack in thinking that I missed an, an opportunity to to, mm-hmm. to go and, and be able to capture this. So that's how it started. Um, luckily, that it all it all worked out. But being there, um, I mean, I still remember just walking into the building, and one of the things that uh, stood out to me was just how the NHL sets up full offices at. Um, in, in these host arenas, it's not just, uh, obviously it's not just another game. It's not a playoff game. It's not a big game. Um, it's the show. It is the finals and the, um, the imagery around the arena of past Stanley cup champions. Uh, it was almost like walking into, uh, the like little Caesars arena for my first day on the job in general. It was just a whole nother level. And I remember a having, um, a lot of gratitude for even being considered to, uh, to have the opportunity, but be also a little bit nervous to, uh, you know, hope that, that I could deliver. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, meeting, meeting you was, was awesome. And, you know, you and I had never worked together before and you get in a situation where I, I show up off of, uh, off my flight and, um, you know, the players are arriving in a couple hours and you and I just instantly have to figure out what we're doing. Um, so we're not capturing the same thing. So we're working together. So it's like yep. that instant, uh, necessity to sort of like collaborate right away and just jump right into it. Sort of helped me, uh, kind of ease into the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's another hockey game that we're, that we're capturing. Yeah, no, it's weird because you say it's another hockey game, but you also started off your point with being like, it's a, it's yeah, the game. Right. It, it is at the end of the day, the, 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 just another hockey game, but like the stakes are so much higher. Um, you also got to be on the ice for the cup lift. You were the, I believe you were on the ice before me. Um, what was it like just being there in front of, you know, Gary, Gary Bettman's bringing out the trophy and then, they, you know, Landis Cog goes and lifts it up and you got a front row seat. What do you remember from that moment? Or did you just black out and just dial in? And you're like, I got to get the shot. Yeah. So um, if you, if you recall in game backing up a little bit in games three and four, um, uh, game four was the overtime Kadri goal. And uh, I missed that shot. I didn't get it. And I had a, I was sick. I was like, I remember, I remember you came into the room and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I could have, I could have just like, could have just died right there. And uh, I was just, I was, I was sick to my stomach and I was, 
uh, getting on a flight, you know, that night or the next morning to go back to Detroit and Colorado was going to have a chance to win it on home ice. Um, and I was like that, wow, like I'm super grateful for this experience captured some really cool shots, but like, I missed that one. And, um, that might be my experience now that like, that would be the lasting, you know, th that would be the bad, uh, kind of a bad taste in my mouth. And, um, so the next day, uh, my brother and I are watching game five and I've never like rooted for <laughs> a hockey game so hard in, in my life to, cause I wanted to get the opportunity to, yeah. to, to capture, um, uh, the game again. And somehow, you know, the, uh, the lightning won in game five and I got, um, got back to, uh, got to go back to Tampa, uh, for game six and, uh, kind of same process. And then, um, our boss asked me if I would be comfortable going on the ice after the game, just very casually. And you're like, uh, uh, come again. Excuse, like, excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can do twist, that. Twist my arm, hold a gun um, to my head. I'll do it. So yeah, she hands me my, uh, on, on ice credential, which is, which is framed here in, in my house from, from that game. Yeah, mine, um, mine, mine is like, I have like a little yeah. thing on my door and there, I got, I got a frame. I got to figure, you got to tell me how you frame them. Cause yeah, I, I got mine yeah. too. Um, and, uh, I, I remember going up, uh, as the time was winding down to, um, remember going up to the door and, and they have the security there. And I said, I'm going on the ice after here's the, here's the credential. And even that guy was like, are you really <laughs> like, is this, is this for, is this for real? And, and so, um, got that sorted out and it was, um, one of the most surreal moments of my entire life as the, uh, clock hit zero. Um, you were right behind the net capturing the celebration and, the Zamboni doors opened and I was literally running onto the ice at the same time that the avalanche were uh, mauling the, their goalie in, in celebration. Were you worried at all that you were going to slide and fall? You're running onto I, the ice. I, I like, it didn't cross I, your mind. It was, uh, I feel like this interview is sort of like how, um, <laughs> you know, how, how, uh, athletes that win the Stanley cup feel like they just kind of don't remember what happened. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it was kind of like that. I was, uh, I somehow was, I've been, luckily I've been walking or skating on ice since I was four years old. So that I wasn't really, uh, you know, too, too worried, worried about it and, and got down. You've been preparing and, for this your whole yeah, life. You just didn't, yeah. you just didn't know it. Um, and, and so, uh, just being in the middle of all that raw emotion and, uh, you know, watching these moments unfold that are the same moments that I've been watching my entire life unfold and being behind the camera for that was, extremely, extremely powerful. And, uh, I, I remember, you know, getting the shot of, of the cup, um, uh, the cup lift and, um, that, uh, I got pretty lucky because you never really know which way they're going to go. And there's yeah. 10 people there all lined up and it's really a gamble. And, um, so I, I, I got the shot just before he skated, um, out of frame and, you know, then it's, 
instantly up on the NHL, uh, NHL Instagram, uh, a couple, a couple minutes later. And I continued to capture the, the cup handoff. And I remember at one point specifically walking over to you just like eyes wide open. And I was like, oh, like, I just, speech, <laughs> I was just speechless. And you're like, keep going, like, you gotta, like, keep going, keep, no, keep Because keep going. in my mind at that yeah. moment, I'm like, yeah. we can't waste time. Yeah. We can't, yeah, no, like, we, we got, we gotta go. Yeah. Like, we gotta, <laughs> and, but the, and it, that was after it is, 25 minutes of it. And I just, and like the black aces had all moved through their, their cup celebration. The family were, were just starting to yeah. come off. And I was honestly like overwhelmed. By, mm-hmm. um, by like, you know, that half an hour process of, of, uh, of documenting all of, all of the tears, the cup passing. You know, it, it's like so, an hour or two, but it feels like 20 minutes is right. like gone. I, I, exactly. So, um, so all, uh, just going through that, uh, that, that process was, uh, something I could have never, never imagined. Would be a I, I, trust me, man. I, I think about it to this day, like the whole day and the whole like, you know, I remember the entire game when I was when I was on my end shooting it. It's like Colorado was playing like a defensive masterclass. Tampa was getting nothing at, at a certain point. You kind of knew like, oh, like it's this happening. is it's it's happening. Like there's no like it, this year was also the same because like um, Vegas blew out the other team at home. It was like an eight seven eight two seven two win in the final game so it's like there came a certain point where in my stomach like oh like this is gonna happen like we're gonna but like you said you kind of just black out when mm-hmm. when the when they were coming to my end to celebrate i'm behind the glass i don't remember capturing that i just remember seeing it on my laptop after and being like i don't know where that came from but it is it is crazy how you just you even though you still got dialed in you came to me and we still had that moment of wtf is happening (laughs) but you gotta but i i think something i like to do and i've done it i did it that day and i did it last year during the the other the 2023 final you gotta give yourself a moment to appreciate what the fuck is going on yeah and like i remember going to like center ice when everyone was kind of like with their families and i just took a video and i and I have it and I'll look because that's like that was me saying I got to let myself feel this. Did you have any of that, like letting yourself feel what you were? Ca- you're capturing history. Did you like let that As, sink in at any point? I, you know, where that really sunk in for me um, was actually on the plane ride home. Um, and I did take some moments and, and I got, you know, we got our picture taken on, on the ice there uh, together. And I actually have a picture that's also framed in my, in my apartment, a little four by six. Uh, of of me on the ice and Darren Helm is behind me and Elliot Friedman's behind me. Um, <laughs> That's so a, cool. And I, I love Hockey Night in Canada and and obviously Darren Helm was on the Red Wings for a long time. So that's uh, one of my you know prized possessions from that uh, from that day. But I I also um, one of the things that I was happiest about in that experience was that I had the presence of mind to snap a couple photos during the during the cup um, during the team picture. Uh, I was filming the entire time and I was like, I better snap a couple photos here. And those were actually some of the most lasting moments from everything that I captured. You know, sure, mm-hmm. the, the videos got a, a million views and they got shared. Um, but so many of the players ended up sharing uh, a, a couple photos that, that yeah. I took of everyone um, piled up and uh, just having sort of the the presence of mind to say i better take a couple snaps here um was one of the best decisions that that i made during that um during that celebration and 
And then as far as letting it sink in, um, I was overwhelmed on the plane ride home. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was crying my eyes out. Oh man. I was like, it just all sort of hit me while I was scrolling through, uh, you know, social media the next day and seeing Gabe Landeskog post that photo, seeing, um, uh, Nathan McKinnon post the photo that, that I took of them seeing, um, the, the video that you edited of all of our, our content, um, that, that, that we captured, uh, yeah, for, at four in the morning for that game. Yeah. We were, <laughs> uh, that's the other thing I didn't sleep. Oh, I, 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 I was about to bring it up like yeah. you and I like after that was happened, the cup was handed the room celebration. We got back and we got back to the hotel and I remember sitting down with you and getting a beer and then I get back to my hotel room and I text you. I'm like, ah, yeah, I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you want to just edit? Yeah. And I remember I came to your hotel room and we edited from like 2.30 to like, like four. 4 in the yeah. morning. Like, that was something I'll always remember too because we were just, we weren't even talking. We no, were just like no. sitting there and like <laughs> yeah. editing away. And I'm just like, and I, I think it, you're just on such an adrenaline high after something like that. And it's, and it also just coincides with you the next day feeling emotional about it. Cause you're, you're riding this high. And then when you come down, you really, it really starts to hit you. Um, what was, it's, um, sorry, Ugh. bit of a brain fart there. Um, I also love the fact that you mentioned the fact that you had the, the kind of, um, presence and awareness to take photos as well. And that's something I do too. Like I always have my other camera around and snap a few photos because at times like video is great, but I think people underrate the value of a good photo. Like, I don't know if you can see like back here, I have two photos from the final the one that you took there. Yeah. I recognize yeah. That. Like I've, and then I have like a Stanley cup one in the, in my living room of, I, I, uh, I can't remember who's lifting it. Oh, it was, uh, Johnson, Eric Johnson lifting the mm -hmm. cup. And it's so interesting because you and I are both naturally videographers by trade, but for me, it's always been the photos that I will look back on and be like, thank God I took that. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about photography, being a videographer, but like, I just, I, I can't, there's just something about having that still image versus the video. I can go back and watch the video every time. I'll never get the same feeling as looking at a photo. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. And, and, uh, you know, getting into videography at the time that I got into videography, they were like, I got into photography because the cameras were capable of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I better learn this too. Um, and, and so that served me extremely, extremely well. And, uh, you know, just professionally in general, being proficient in, in both. And no, there's no better example, uh, of that than, um, than this photo, uh, that, uh, that I took of that Stanley cup celebration. And, um, one thing that I was super proud of for that one is that it was just like a different look at, of, it was, it was, uh, I shot with, shot with my 70 to 200 lens and it was just a little bit tighter than the, the traditional super wide celebration shot. And it was framed. So essentially only the players were took up the entire frame. Um, and uh, I didn't do that because I planned on it. It was just, I had the 70 to 200 lens on there and that's what it ended up looking like after, you know, 10 frames were snapped. And yeah. uh, that's a, a picture that will, you know, stay with me for, my entire life what was it like uh the next year vegas and florida obviously F vegas unfortunately won at home i know you and i were texting we were texting we were texting i think we texted right before game five and then you're like hey man like ha it's good coming, luck tonight yeah. but i really hope <laughs> vegas loses because i want to shoot another one yeah. and i'm like i said i think i said to you 
yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. I don't want to fly anywhere. Yeah. That's <laughs> but I, and that's the vibe of everybody who works in the league. They're just carted around and yeah, it just uh, it, well the travel's hard and I think oh, it, it is. was it really is. And, and I had a very different experience than you the last few years because you're obviously just coming from Detroit for mm-hmm. those games. I was going yeah. I was going coast to coast for both on both occasions. Um, but like we like I said, you got to shoot last year in Florida. Uh, you you kind of take the Eastern Conference and then we have mm-hmm. a West the West summer for the Western Conference. Um, what was last year like? I know you didn't get to shoot the fine, the, the the cop lift, but what was the experience of shooting your second final? And did you kind of take anything you learned from 2022 and brought it into 2023? Yeah, it was uh, just how it worked out. You weren't able to be there. Uh, was it the combine? Something else was. Yeah, going I was on. at combine for the first few games, uh, so we didn't we didn't get to work together. So, uh, so for that experience, it was it was honestly just as good and just as awesome as capturing the cup lift. I was in, you know, it was still, uh, an incredible environment. I was sitting next to Lil Wayne was, he was in the front row. That's crazy. I didn't know the games. (laughs) (laughs) I got like a fist bump from him, which was hilarious. Um, and, uh, but, but anyway, it was, it was, uh, extremely, um, similar, but it was, I felt more comfortable. Um, cause I, uh, going in the, the second time and, uh, understanding that I'd have access to the bench, understanding, um, what kind of shots I wanted to get. I also, you know, learned a lot from, uh, Campbell and Matt who, who shot, uh, shot the finals, um, and whose content I watched throughout the playoffs is like, the first thing I wanted to do was, uh, capture a wide arena shot of, the Florida fans celebrating their first goal on the home gimbal ice. move. Yeah. Yes. From the final uh, in the finals, they hadn't been in the finals since 96. So the first goal that they scored in game three was going to be the first goal scored, uh, in that arena, um, in the finals in, you know, almost 20 years. And so having like the clear, um, direction to, uh, want to capture that and having that shot work out, uh, and I think broadcast used it, uh, for a little, uh, for one of the opening segments. And, and, um, so creating those, those different perspectives of this circus of an event, uh, is it almost, you almost get, uh, a, like a little high off of it and, and ride a wave to, um, uh, throughout these, um, these couple of games. And I actually am part of the reason why I say it was so fun, almost as just as fun as capturing the cup lift was that Florida won in overtime. And that that was a great, I was watching on TV and I'm like, if, if they win, I'm leaving. If, or (laughs) if they win, I'm going, I'm going. And if I'm not, I'm staying here. Like I remember that. Yeah. So, so the building erupted and, and just being in that environment was incredible. There was some rough stuff going on in game four as well. There were fights going on. Um, so it was, it was just, uh, the intensity was, was incredible. It was a different final. It was was very, like the hockey, like Tampa and Colorado were such like precise offensive teams, super smooth, like super smooth hockey. And then this final was just like, 
they wanted to kill each other. Yeah, it, it was, was like crash, like, crash and bang, like goals of any means. It was, it was a completely different way. And I'm sure you noticed that when you captured it, you're like, oh, this isn't like kill McCarr skating through your team. This is Matthew yeah. Kachuk trying to kill somebody for the puck. Like it's, it's a completely different like mindset you need to do when it's different teams and different styles of, of the sport. Abs- absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I remember one of the <clears> shots <throat> that I captured from the 2022 final was Victor Hedman doing like a coast to coast uh, and then like backhand post and shot. And, and then the, like for the majority of the Florida series, it's like re- like a, a whack in rebound goal and greasy uh, in front of the net tap shot from the point. But it was, it was that sort of grit at its highest level at its highest point of animosity. And um, there, you're absolutely right. And there was an extremely large contrast between, between the styles of play um, for, for the two finals, but they were equally gratifying. Um, and uh, I think the biggest difference from, from me doing the, the second final was I took a lot more time to, soak it all in and understanding that a life is short. You never know how many of these opportunities that you're going to get. Um, and so just appreciating the fact that I'm there, I'm standing on the bench next to Darren Pang doing a, doing a hit, um, you know, and, and while not, you know, being a, a, a fan, you can still appreciate, um, where you are, what you're doing, um, and and being a very small part of documenting that history is just an absolute honor. You mentioned specifically, like, you want to enjoy the experience kind of as a fan, but at the same time, you know, when we work on the sidelines or rinkside, there's a very fine line we got to cross between I, I grew up with the Red Wings or, like, you know, I watched the Stanley Cup final as a kid. This is incredible. But you also got to temper it a little bit and understand that, like, you're still working. This is a job. Um, some might even say it's a privilege to be there. You know, what? How do you, how do you enjoy the moment like that, but still keep a level head and remind yourself that this is work and this is career and you got to take it seriously and you can't just be, you know, you, you got to keep it internalized like there's the right place and the right time. How do you, how do you go through that process? Yeah, I think it's something that you, have to uh, learn a little bit over time. And that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you're going to act like a fan right from day one of, of the job. You're, in a, as you said, you're in a professional work environment, so you have to be level-headed. But um, I think you have to internalize your your appreciation for where you are. And everyone is, is uh, you know, might be a different level of, of fan for uh, the NHL or NFL or whatever league they, they may be working in. And I think understanding that you are a representative of, of your employer first and first and foremost, and that you're not there as a, as uh, just representing yourself. You're not a content creator character, right? You're not there for your personal platform um, to, to document it, to show your friends, right? Um, so it's, it's really finding the moments that you can take a picture or just look around and, and kind of take some, some mental notes about where you are and using different outlets to communicate, uh, your experience. Like you and I talked about for hours after, um, after we captured the, the cup lift, right? So it's finding like maybe, uh, the right social time to talk about it with your friends or talk about it with coworkers, um, but ultimately, uh, 
we've we've all seen it in, across different sports leagues. There's there's certain moments where people get called out for um, for having you know reactions on the sidelines, and you just you have to uh, you have to first and foremost know that you're there to do a job. You're representing your employer, and um, that that professionalism that I talked about earlier. That's really what that means. The standard. The standard Again, is the yeah. standard. Yeah. The standard is the standard. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and you're right. And I think that's a really good thing for any young listeners out there who are just coming in this. Like if you get the opportunity to go to like a Santa like a final or a Super Bowl or whatever, like soak it in, enjoy it. But you got to remember that you're there as a professional and you're there for someone else. Unless you're there like on an influencer mm-hmm. deal, which is a completely different thing. Right, not even right. in our realm of specialty, speciality. Like you're there and you got to keep there's an etiquette. There's a responsibility you got to follow on these sidelines. Um, and I, I just think that's a really good point to raise for people who are who are young and 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 want to get into this. It's it, it is fun. It is awesome. It, it is a cool experience. But first and foremost, you're you're working. You're mm-hmm. you're 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 at you're at your day job, you know. Um, right. And it is what it is at the times, but you got to keep a level head and you got to remember why you're there. Yeah. And I think a really more like tangible example of, of what we're talking about is when you see someone who is sports royalty at these events. Right. And and maybe another environment, uh, for instance, like Henrik Lundqvist is my all, one of my all time favorite goalies. He's walking around at the finals for, for TNT last year. And uh, I wanted to be like. Hey Hank, you were my favorite goal. I love right? you. Yeah, uh, like you're uh, you're an sorry, icon. Can, yeah, an icon. And um, but you can't do that. It's not appropriate, right? And and may and um, so it just sort of uh, appreciating that that you're there in the first place uh, and knowing uh, that you're there really to document and to be a fly on the wall, and you're not there to um, to really, uh, it be in, included, um, from a, uh, from a social standpoint. No, with, yeah. With, you're, with you're there, people. you're there to, like you said, document fly on the wall. Like you don't want to be involved, um, in the, in the situation you want to capture it as is. I think those are all great points. And I'm actually going to segue to one last thing before we start to wrap up here. Uh, cause I know you got a, you got a game, you got to go to here soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were involved in a certain moment uh, when a puck flew <laughs> the camera hole uh, and hit you during the play, or was it warmups? I can't remember. No, but that I- was so. That was during. That was during play. Yeah, my brother yeah. likes to. Uh, my brother likes to. You uh, got posted on at NHL. I know, yeah, I know. My, so, my brother's like, you're the only photographer who is who the league has actually posted. Yeah, so, what happened there? What, what, uh, what? So it was the first uh, game of last season. So it was the Red Wings against the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I was uh, got access to a photo hole, so I was uh, kind of switching back between taking photos and shooting video. Um, and it, the Red Wings have their own photographer there, so I'm typically shooting video if I have access to uh, to one of those photo holes and working in some photos for the away team. So um, this was in the first period of the home opener, uh, and it's capturing some video. Uh, Jake Allen was absolutely standing on his head. He had like 20 saves in the first period. And uh, Larkin came in uh, and and had a shot on goal. And uh, I, I believe it was uh, Jordy Ben at the time who uh, just turned around and full on slap shot just ripped the puck out of the blue paint. It was sitting in the crease. Just and clearing the puck just, and then yeah, just came your the, way. Cleared the puck and 
I got so lucky that A, I didn't get hit. B, my equipment didn't get hit. It was, I actually still don't really understand how I got out of that without uh, any injury or damage to my camera. Um, but essentially what happened is I think the puck just barely ticked the um, outside of, of the camera hole. And I had the tiniest nick on the plastic coating of my uh, 24 to 70 lens and that deflected it above my head and it hit. So at the end of the row where I was shooting, there's there's a rail, right? Um, and there's a and it hit the rail and landed right next to me. Um, and so I, uh, I um, all the players were shocked. They skated over and everyone's kind of looking around and, and that was a funny moment. They realized it went through the photo hole. And um, it was interesting because I got some blowback online uh, when all that stuff got posted. Like we have to close our, like the photo holes when, when we're that close. Like you're supposed to do that when it's within 10 feet of play. And this was sitting in the crease. So I was perfectly fine to have it open. And it was just like, I've shot... 200 some nhl games yeah and the, you know what you're doing that's gone through the it's gone through the photo hole twice on that's it. like Having, a needle in a haystack yes. like that and you could you could shoot the puck towards that a hundred times i don't care who you have <laughs> shooting the puck you won't ask patrick kane when he yeah. gets when he plays again hey patty shoot one through the hole like yeah it's gonna take a lot of tries um you have the pucks yeah. do you have the puck still, you still um do, so i got a picture yeah. with the puck and i i gave it to a little kid who was sitting oh. right there but i got but i got i got the picture with it i have I have enough pucks from yeah. from uh, from the game. So uh, the the picture, as we were talking about earlier, was the most uh, important thing to me. And mm -hmm. when when we we're sending on our on our NHL messages, when I was sending it to, I was like, guys, I think I got a crazy video. Um, and, <laughs> I remember uh, we were we were in the yeah. office here, like me and the publisher freaking out, like, oh my god, Troy God, da, da, da. it was yeah. hilarious and it was an awesome awesome moment. Yeah, and so then I sent the picture just to like show you guys i didn't send it to like think it was going to be put and then like the red wings post sports center posted it so it was, that was a funny uh, yeah your moment in the sunshine and yeah, the, yeah, the moment yeah of the i'm hoping to avoid that going yeah forward. you want to i mean it, this is this is now the second guest i've had on this podcast who has had their uh their something happen with them on the play you know josh and buffalo coaster yes yeah, um yeah, yeah, he yeah. caught the ball on the sideline <laughs> so I, I, this you are my second guest who has unfortunately been victim of an errant ball or puck out of play um um, no, and I just think that's a good moment. And, and you know, those are those are light moments. They always you're, you're going to tell your kid one day, like, yeah. you know, those photo <laughs> holes there. I got hit by a puck there once. Like, it, it's just a cool, cool moment. Um, yeah, no doubt. Anyways, uh, wrapping this all up, um, I want to talk really quickly about just some uh, quick fire questions here. I do yeah. this with every guest. Just really quick things that people want to know about this career path and what, you know, cameras, stuff like that, what you want to do. Yes. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. You just give me your response and you, you can be as, as in-depth or as quick as you want. All right? All right. All right. Uh, we obviously talked about this already, but camera brands, Canon, Nikon, or Sony? Sony and Fujifilm. Okay. You have an X100V, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, dude, I love that camera. It's <laughs> so too. much fun. It's the best camera. Um, why, why Sony over the other ones, if you don't mind me asking? So, um, for me, I had, uh, I had Canon <laughs> prior to... Um, prior to converting to Sony about three or four years ago. And uh, so I have, a, I have a business partner. We have our own little production company. We do a lot of work outside of sports. Um, and it just made the most sense. It was a bang for your buck thing. It was a look, it was a quality thing. Uh, it was a color science um, thing a little bit as well. I think Canon has this, um, typically has a little bit of like this magenta thing going on. Um, 
and and we just thought the the Sony's looked cleaner and the t- it was also timing right we yeah. had these uh we had I had the 5D Mark III for the longest time that was my that was like what everybody had that was um you know 10 years ago like yeah now I can say 10 years ago I'm 32 and I started doing this kind of work when I was 22 um just in production in general so um, making that switch was, it was sort of like a quality build thing too, right? They're, they're just a little bit sleeker. Yeah. Um, so smaller, lighter. Yeah. Right. A couple, a couple different factors. Yeah. I love hearing that reasoning. Um, if you could only use one lens for the rest of your career, what would it be? That's an excellent question. Um, I, I want to give a different answer other than a 70 to 200 or a 24 that's to 70 kind of a, because those yeah. are like, that's like probably. It's what, a given. You know, that's, that's, uh, yeah. Cause, because either of those are. All right, let's are, change it up. What's the given? most yeah. underrated lens you've used? Um, so one of my, I, I used it for training camp for the Detroit Red Wings this year. And I loved the look was a, uh, the Sony 135, uh, G master. I um, use that. That's how I got this photo right here yes. using the 135. So I just lo- like it. Uh, I got that lens specifically for training camp because I wanted to kind of, uh, I've been able to document the last four training camps for the Red Wings in, in Northern Michigan. But anyway, um, I wanted to just have a little bit of a different look because I've used my, my own gear for all of that. So I rented this, uh, rented that lens and, uh, it, it made me concentrate a little bit more on framing because I'm so used to being able to crop for different platforms with each of the 24 to 70 and 70 to 200 lenses mm-hmm. um, that using that 135 um, was a really, really fun challenge. I really, really liked it. And I, I could, uh, I haven't shot any games with it, but I would love to, if I had the opportunity, I would love to just shoot one full game with it yeah um, prime, prime lenses are really underrated for shooting yeah. sports i think obviously people get scared you can't zoom out you can't zoom in but it gives a really unique look and it kind of forces you to to challenge yourself as a creative with these limitations um what is the best gear purchase you've ever made the best gear purchase i've ever made outside of the a7s3 um that's uh that's going to be number number one, I think, mm-hmm. um, just for, uh, as we talked about earlier, the, the bang, the bang for your buck, uh, situation there. Um, I use, um, this, uh, like a tilta cage and handheld just every day. It's mm-hmm. so, um, getting away from cameras and lenses. Cause like I could say any of my cameras are like the yeah, best decision that I've, that, I've, that I've ever made. Cause I love them and, and they're awesome. But from a functionality standpoint, um, I have this tilted cage with a handheld, um, wooden handle that, um, sometimes I, I like better than using a gimbal. Um, I just like the versatility you can get with handheld stuff. So, um, I'm going to, I'll go with that. I'll go with my, my tilt to cage. Uh, no, I think that's, that, grip. that's a great example of like, it's not always the camera and the lenses, but it's also the gear that enhances your experience with those pieces of gear. What's the worst gear purchase you think you've made? Oh, the worst gear purchase. Uh, so this is probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, there was, uh, actually, hold on. Sorry. Let me, let me start that over. Um, the worst gear purchase that I've ever made 
was, um, honestly, it's, it's kind of tough because I've used, uh, a lot of the gear, um, that I've purchased daily for, for, for a very long time. So that's actually a, a pretty tough question. Nothing is, nothing's like coming no, up. What, what's, what's up? What's your answer to that question? Uh, not a like I don't know this is a controversial one I hate gimbals like I really don't like them like Me too. it's it's not my thing like I know like Matt Ferracci and Campbell we talked about them earlier they're awesome with it I feel so limited by it I don't Me use too. it it's just sitting on my shelf like gathering dust and I only really bring it out if the client needs it um probably I, probably that I would I would agree with you and uh, I guess the reason why that didn't come up uh for me right away is because my, my business partner uses it all the time. It's the same with my business used, partner. Right. Yeah. So, so it gets used, but I, I don't use it. At yeah. All. yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, maybe, uh, I just have had like some bad experiences with it. And you're ready to go. You're ready to shoot a big moment. Players walking out. This happened to yeah, me. And then, like, and, then doop, doop, and then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> bruh, like it's just not reliable, but there are people who are really good with it and get good stuff with it. So yeah, you know, it's a time thing, right? It's, it's a like time. The, and, and it's like a style thing. You know, yeah. I like a handheld look for my stuff. I like documentary style. There's a time and a place for everything. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So that I would, I would actually agree with you. Um, on, on the gimbal, just cause it's not my, uh, it, it is not my desired, uh, not your bread and butter tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve, uh, in sports videography or uh, yeah, let's it, go with videography. Yes. It is my biggest pet peeve is, uh, I have a couple of them. One of them is, uh, people and you are not included in this, uh, <laughs> but throwing, throwing around, um, the term creator, um, and there's there's something in that that um thank you for making sure i wasn't yes. included in no that you're, you're absolutely not because you are what like you are the the great uh, 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 the best example of a, a true sports videographer content creator mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of people brand themselves as that and it's not to your standard okay i feel like it's a title that people give themselves without really achieving it what like what would okay like I, first of all i appreciate that but i'm trying to understand what you mean you're like what do you mean like in terms of like achieving it like what what is it about it that annoys you i'm just curious i i think that <laughs> um at the basis of of what we do we are videographers and we are photographers and we are editors and there's something about like the term creator that i that just like rubs me the like making way. tiktoks Some, and youtubes and shit right 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 so, um, so that like, and I don't honestly know that I can like really, really justify why I feel that way. Yeah. Um, but it, there's just, it's almost like nails on a chalkboard to me when, um, it's kind of when some, people are doing it for clicks and likes. Exactly. And it's not their job, right? Like I'm a, I'm a create, like I'm a content creator. I just don't, uh, it kind of takes away from the, uh, professionalism that I was from the, about from the art later. of it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I agree. so there's there's something about that that it's it's almost like when I see it I know it type mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. of a thing, um, and it's harder to describe. So that um, is uh, a little a little bit of it, but um, that's fair. Uh, but honestly, my my biggest uh, my biggest pet peeve is people who make themselves creators who make themselves a character when they should not. Yeah. 
it's like you're you're there to focus on the team and the in the in the athletes and then you're putting yourself yes. in the middle of it and, and making yourself people and, who shoot for themselves <laughs> more than they shoot for the job people mm-hmm. who are ca- no, I, capturing content to uh to make their own edits um when uh more so than that footage is being applied to the reason that they're there um I, oh yeah that, that's a great take and i think it's just knowing your place and and knowing that you're not bigger than the brand or team you yeah, work with. exactly and i like i edit my own videos when i have time and i when i like to put stuff out there um but there are specific guidelines in place for all sports leagues for how you can share your content um and and so it's just being aware of of all of all of those things and uh, understanding that you're there first and foremost for a job, not to grow your own personal brand. If your personal brand grows mm-hmm. because of the work that you do, that you do, I uh, am all for that, especially in the way in which you approach it. Um, I think it's thoughtful. I think it's the right way. I think it's uh, like builds a community around it. Um, and when people, I guess, try to take shortcuts to say, sort of look where I am and what I'm doing and, follow me because I do this stuff. Um, that's, yeah. that's what I don't like. No, I, I appreciate that. And I think like my, I'm not toot my own horn, but like my mentality for this is like, I'm not doing it to gain a following. I'm doing it because I want to help people. Like I wish I had myself and guys on YouTube, like Peter Sorellis and Pete Godshock and like all these guys who are actual like content creators and educators. Like I wish I had that when I was starting off. So I want to just, my whole mentality is I want to be the educator. I wish I had when mm-hmm. I started just because like, you know, and I also like, I've also loved the idea of like creating a community and connecting with other people and highlighting exactly what I'm doing with this podcast. So I, I really appreciate yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Back most what's the uh, next question. What's the most overdone trend in the sports content space right now? <sighs> I guess to me, the most overdone trend in the sports content space um what nothing is coming immediately to mind but i I, okay one thing that comes to mind is uh i feel like there's a lot of teams that ask you know ask the players a question and i feel like some of those questions have kind of gone through the motions Mm -hmm. now and um so uh, i think some of the questions that are being asked of the players as they do their walkthroughs to practice or, or to whatever. Um, I think here, the Red Wings social team does a really, really good job at a, not overdoing that and B um, coming up with like super relatable, fun questions uh, for the players. Um, but I've seen a lot of teams, not only just in, in the NHL um, put out stuff. That's just sort of not that interesting. Yeah, that's fair. It's just, you can only have so much of a good thing, you know? Yeah. Um, what is your first camera? What was your first camera? my first camera um so the first camera that i ever uh have a couple answers um one of the first video camera that i got creative with was actually like my parents handheld zony sony zoom Mm -hmm. um handy cam yeah um so my brother and i used to borrow that camera and we would make like little home movies and videos with little plot lines. And, um, we would actually take our Sony Walkman CD player and we wanted to have music over certain parts and we would put the headphones up to the microphone on the camera. That's awesome. To, to, to do little stuff like that. So we're, um, creating, 
you know, little home videos, like little comedy skits and stuff That's like funny. that. And this is probably when I was like 12, 12 years old. Um, so that was one of the first cameras I really played with. And then as far as a photography uh, camera, um, you know, I grew up through the era where there's uh, so many different mediums for storing um, content. There was like a five or six year period where every different camera brand had a different type of memory card. Yep. Um, that you cannot even access now, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, um, I believe it was some sort of a Canon PowerShot model from like the late, uh, late 20, uh, I don't know, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. And I, I took, um, it was my dad's camera and I took it on a, a study abroad trip to Cuba that I did uh, when I was in, uh, in college. And that was my first time for an extended period, six weeks with a camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, uh, put it through his paces and kind of really like fell in love with photography. It's always those little cameras, like the power shot and and like that handy cam that gets you in love with it. I love it. Uh, final, final question here for pretty much the entire podcast. Um, something I asked everybody, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to a young photographer videographer or a younger version of you who wants to follow in your footsteps and potentially work for you know the nhl or the nfl what's like that top piece of advice you give out to them uh my top piece of advice and i'm glad you asked this because i get that question all the time um is that uh it's all about relationships uh and i have gotten the opportunities that that i've gotten because i've taken the time to build relationships with uh the uh people in in this profession who have given me um the opportunities and i've got more opportunities because of uh the relationships that i've built and uh some of those relationships are built by putting yourself out there and especially when you're starting um the reason i'm sitting here talking to you is because i love hockey and wanted to document this outdoor ice rink and these kids that I coached, Mm -hmm. you know, years ago. And I did that. Um, no one told me to do that. I, I was a self-starter in that sense and, and did it myself. So putting in work, you know, whether it's with a local club team or a high school team or shooting whatever there is to shoot that you can document. If you're from a small town, uh, whether it's in you know the states or Canada, and there and you want to get into hockey, if there's an outdoor ice rink in your town, like th- those images are incredible that you can capture from that, and that's like the heart of the game, right? So um, shooting what you have access to, and not being afraid to put yourself in a in a position uh, for you know people to say yes or, or no to you. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Um, wrapping things up, bringing it full circle. Um, where can the people find you on social media? If they want to follow you, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever you use, where can the people find Troy Anderson? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, Andy Troyerson. <laughs> Troy Anderson was taken. So years ago when I uh, made my Instagram account, it's a N D Y T R O Y E R S O N. Uh, believe it or not, I'm actually not on TikTok. Okay. I'm 32 years old. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, um, you know, work in social media professionally. And so when I'm, when I'm not working, I, I have a camera in my hand, but I'm typically, uh, in the woods or okay. up north fishing. And so you can I find this guy in the north woods of Michigan. Yeah. 
yeah, so you can you can find me camping or, or fishing in, in my free time. But if you want to check out some hockey and, and football content, some other photography and, and video production stuff that I do, uh, you can you can find me on Instagram. It's awesome. Uh, what do you what, last thing? What where are you going to be for the next few months? You know, you're obviously about to head to Little Caesars Arena in the next 20 minutes for the game tonight. Um, but what's what's coming up for you in the next uh, you know month, New Year's? Uh, what what do you have planned for your career, and where where can we see you working soon? Yeah, so gonna continue to uh, shoot for the NHL and and NFL um, this this season, um, and then from a freelance perspective, it's sort of whenever whenever the phone rings. Like uh, I, I got the opportunity to uh, help film a documentary for University of Michigan football um, over over the spring and, and summer, and that was sort of at a moment's notice from a, from a call. So uh, the good thing about being in this business is your your phone can ring, um, and and then you get into uh, you know you get into a, a cool job. And and so I uh, right now I, I like to focus on on uh, doing the documenting the NHL and NFL uh, during during the winter time, and then in the springtime I have a little and summer uh, I have a little more availability for. Uh, for other work. So um, I do a lot of nonprofit organization work here in Detroit. So I have an entire career that's outside of um, content creation and and sports, um, which is sort of in the video production world for nonprofit organizations and um, and engineering firms and and, and things like that. So and that's another point I actually want to bring up because um, the these jobs that I have are a piece of the puzzle. It's not my full time gig working for the NHL and NFL. Yeah. I could not survive if those were my only two jobs. Yeah. And you got to do, you got to do stuff outside of it. And I, I get that. And that's a huge misconception. I think, um, that a lot of people getting into this, uh, they think if you're at NFL LCC or if you're an LSC, uh, for the NHL, then that's your job. That's your full-time job. It's like, it's really a night and weekend thing. And, um, you know, it, it certainly helps, uh, with other clients when you can, when you can leverage this work, um, to, to get other jobs and other opportunities. So, um, branching out outside of sports is, is super important as well. Dropping bombs and gems, even at the end of the episode. That's awesome. <laughs> no, great piece of advice. Uh, thank you again for being on the episode, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad we finally got to do it. Um, I yeah. don't want to keep you any longer, so I'll let you go off to little Caesar arena. You'll probably see some Connor Bedard content from this guy on the Instagram socials really quickly. Um, but Troy, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And this is it for episode number 12 of the sports creator showcase. Thank you guys for listening in Troy. Any last words? No, just want to thank you. Um, the quality of your work speaks for itself and looking forward to uh, seeing what you create next. So. Thanks, man. All right. For everyone All right. listening, everyone watching. Thanks for watching. Peace out.